today's show, I have Heidi Feenstra, who comes from a small town in Iowa with a population of about 1,500 people. So small, she didn't even have a stoplight, just a stop sign. You're going to hear some things like this. In her early days, she went to an ultra-conservative church. Her high school had only 20 people in her class. She had the pleasure of having both her parents work in high school where her dad was a Bible church history teacher and her mom was an English teacher. Went to college about an hour away from her hometown. In her life story, you will find her being called as an intercessor and going on many mission trips around the world. In this podcast, you will hear mostly about Heidi's life and her story. But in future podcasts, you will hear more stories about the trips that she went on. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hey everybody, my name is Kevin James. I am the host of the Millennium Beat. Today in the studio, I have Heidi Feenstra. Heidi, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right, as I normally like, I like to start from the very beginning of people's lives to introduce them to the audience. So let's go back as far as you'd like to go. <laughs> How far is that? Yeah, wow. Um, so I was born in a really small town in Iowa. And it was very small, about probably 1,500 people. Wow, it is so, small. So, yes, very small farming community. And um, I have one brother and one sister, and I was the last one to be born. So I was nine years later. Uh, you're the baby. I am the baby. I've seen a lot of them lately. <laughs> Charlie and Susie are the baby. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I would say I had a, a pretty good childhood because it was such a small town. Everybody was in everybody's business, mm -hmm. kind of. It was like a one-stop lights town pretty much pretty there was actually no light there was, oh, a there, was stop, no there was a stop sign okay so, so you didn't yes. even get up to that level we didn't get a light <laughs> <laughs> you're not big enough no not not exactly so um my dad actually uh taught bible at oh. the high school and so everybody knew who my dad was now was this a regular high school or, uh, a, or a christian or Catholic? yeah it was a christian high school christian high school okay. yep it was a christian high school so yeah anyway growing up um there was about 20 kids in my class and um yeah it That's was small it was very small <laughs> and you kind of couldn't get out of you know, um, because you're with those same kids, like K through eighth grade. Oh, wow. And so you never like met other people outside of that. Um, so anyway, actually growing up in that was actually kind of difficult because it was like, once you kind of put yourself in one place, it's kind of how people see you. Right. And so like through some of my growing up, I actually got picked on for various reasons. But then once that happened in like, one grade it just kind of carried on so anyway um by the time i hit high school i was definitely so ready to be in high school because our um high school actually had a bunch of different towns that came to that high school and it was known for its sports programs and stuff okay. like that so, so it was a so basically it sounds like it was a regional high school yes okay. yes same yep. thing i went to yeah yep so um like i said my dad was a bible teacher my mom was an english teacher mm -hmm. in the same high school Oh. So that was not fun. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Being um, a freshman with both of your parents in, in high school. But I survived. 
barely, but I survived. Did you have either of them as teachers? Um, I did actually my junior and senior year. I had my dad. And by time I got to that, I was okay with it because I was so used to seeing him around and stuff like that. So, um, but it was kind of cool because with my dad, what I realized is that I saw the Bible very similar to him. And so he really helped instill in me just a love for the word of God. And he also taught church history. Oh, okay. And so, um, yeah, just learning more about where our roots came from and Catholicism and all that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed that. And I realized that I actually think a lot like my dad. Okay. And so I did really great on the tests when everybody else was like failing <laughs> them. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so that was like growing up. Uh, and again, it was um, because it was such a small town. Everybody knew who my dad was. So I was also known as Mr. Feenstra's daughter. Like I didn't really have right. my own identity just because... It was such a small town. Now you're saying small town, and I've seen many movies. Now you said you were the youngest; you're the yes. baby. Yes. Yes. Your siblings, they went to the same school. They went to the same school, but they were eight and nine years older than me. Right. So they could, they had kind of gone through that already, and they weren't really in the home; they were in college. So you were more point. referred to as the daughter, daughter of, the, of the teacher. Yep. Compared to the sister or brother. Yeah. You know. Or having my own identity at all. Right. I was just known as Mr. Feenstra's daughter. So. <laughs> Sounds like. A TV show. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was pretty ready, like after high school, to like just get out of that small town because, again, everybody is in everybody's business. Like even with like speeding tickets, uh-huh. that was in the local newspaper. Oh wow! So court news, people got divorced, like everything. You didn't even have to gossip. Just look at the newspaper. Right. So I was very much ready to to get out of a small town. So I went to college about an hour away in uh-huh. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is a much bigger city, which was a huge, huge culture shock. Oh, I'm sure. Huge. Um, so I guess I should kind of go back because we're like my relationship with the Lord. Right, yeah. That's probably what we're talking about. So. <laughs> well, you know, you grew up and yes, your father was a, a Bible teacher. Yeah. So I said, okay, you grew up in a Christian home. Right. But where did Christianity really start in, in you? Right, right. So for me, it, it's very strange, but I honestly didn't know that it was possible to not know who Jesus was because <laughs> there was a church on every corner. I grew up in the church. Um, was baptized you know we went to church every Sunday twice a week okay. or twice on on a Sunday oh, morning on Sunday. and evening no on Wednesday Sundays. night service too no small. Wednesday night service <laughs> too small of town yeah <laughs> so um but I always knew that Jesus was real and I remember like even when I was probably like fifth sixth grade and I got this devotional from my sister and um, my sister played a huge role in my life. I always looked up to my sister. Okay. And and she's what, eight years older? She was nine years older nine than years me. Nine years older. Yep. And um, she had actually given me this devotional called Stretch. And I'll never forget, like, I was so excited to get to read. It, it was just, you know, just a simple devotional with a scripture at the bottom. Okay. And, um, it, but it just always, Jesus was just so real to me. Right. It was like Jesus was speaking to me even through such a simple devotional. Okay. And um, I watched her, like, have devotions before she went to bed at night. And I wanted to be just like her. And so it kind of just, it grew from that. And, like, um I just feel like throughout my life, like the Lord just would continue to put people in my life that were further along in their faith. Yeah. And I would want that. And that's what would springboard me. Which so, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I guess, so when I was a sophomore in high school, I went to a um, convention. It was a young adult convention, Christian convention. And um, they had the speaker and they they called it the life challenge, but they had a speaker that spoke um, from the viewpoint of Barabbas and how he was just amazed, obviously they took a lot of creative license, but he was just amazed that this man would actually be crucified instead of him because of what he did. And the way they made it, it was, you know, it was so personal. Like he was actually crucified instead of me being crucified. And in the way that, um, they portrayed it, it was just, it just became so real to me, you know? And even though I, I felt like I was a Christian. I knew who Jesus was. It was at that moment that I was like, no, I, I want to be sold out. I want to give my life to the Lord completely. Whatever he asked from me, that's what I want to do. And so, um, and this wasn't, how old were you? At I this was time? a sophomore in sophomore high, school. high school. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sophomore somewhere, um, well, 15, probably 15, 15 16. 16. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that really, um, it, it just, it really, not that I wasn't Christian before, but it just brought it so much more meaning. And right. I was on a trajectory then, like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, whatever this looks like, um, to follow the Lord. Right. You know? It gave you a, pur- a more of a, a defined purpose. A defined purpose. Yes. And, and definitely just whatever you ask of me, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. Uh-huh. I just knew he was real when I had that moment and I prayed and there was just this absolute peace that came over me. And I just knew that I had encountered something so much more real than I ever knew. Uh-huh. Um, because the church that I grew up in was very conservative, um, was not spirit filled. And so, um, it was more going through the motions, pipe organ, hymns, you know, that kind of thing. Um, almost sounds like it has a little, nothing against Baptist, but yeah. I've been to Baptist church and it's kind of sounds a little bit almost like yeah, that. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yeah. And very much. No, not a raising hands or oh, no, raising no hands. dancing <laughs> in the aisles. So yeah, I mean, very understanding what very conservative is. Right. And that's what comes to my mind. Yes. It was very conservative. So this was the first time that was like, Jesus became like extremely real to me and with other people and they were excited about him and worshiping him. Um, and so I was like, this, this is what I want. And it was hard. I remember going back to my church because I was like, how am I the same thing as you? Like you profess to be a Christian and yet like nobody shows the joy on their face, you know? So that was, that was very difficult for me and continued to be, um, very difficult in my life. Um, because as I continue to grow closer to the Lord and even baptism in the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. um, that is not what I share with my family. They are absolute believers and they love Jesus, but they don't necessarily move in the gifts of the spirit. So basically your family is very ultra conservative in the sense of a religious point of view. Yes. Yes. yes, Most definitely. So so are you the only one that's really more, I would say more Pentecostal maybe? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that can always be a rub, even though I absolutely respect their faith and I know they love Jesus. It it just looks different. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was a huge turning point in my life when I was a sophomore and, um, the Lord just kind of kept taking me on journeys of, of drawing closer to him. I, I did a couple of different retreats. Um, and then just, just personally, I think, like I love to rollerblade, and so I go rollerblading. I and, used to roller skate. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got rollerblades once for Christmas, but never really used them. They're but, much better. Oh, you should yeah. go with rollerblading. Yeah. So um, anyway, and I just remember like 
just, you know, praying and just, and talking to Jesus. And it, it was, it was just so, he just became so real to me. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I would say probably the next major, like I said, I wanted to get out of that small town. So my friend and I, uh, we went to college. I went to school for um, graphic communications. Okay. At a, um, it was just a tech school, mm-hmm. and she went to a different school. She went to a medical assistance. But we had been best friends throughout high school, and so we were going to be roommates in college, and we were so excited. And unfortunately, um, you know, you hit college life, and there's alcohol, and oh, yeah. because my dad was the Bible teacher, he made it very clear to me, like, if you ever get caught drinking, it's going to be really hard on you. <laughs> so I had the fear of my father in me, you know, right. in high school, and so I really never drank or anything like that. And then when I got to college, I just, I don't know, I've always been able to have fun without alcohol. Right. So it just wasn't that, thing. it wasn't that big of a deal for me. But my friend, unfortunately, like the first weekend we were there, there was a big party and she was there and she just kind of got up in the, into the party crowd and the party scene and, um, and also got into drugs and everything like that. And it was really hard for me because we used to do everything I mean, together. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I can't participate you know, with you in this. So I just remember like the first week in there, just like being devastated because I was so excited about what was going to happen. And I found myself being alone because I didn't want to be in the party scene and I didn't know what I was going to do. And so, um, then I just cried out to the Lord and started praying. And, um, that has kind of been my, my history with, I mean, my heart, true heart is for intercession. And I see how that has, has been throughout my life. Like the Lord puts me in these these really intense hard places and crying out to him and I watch him move, whether that's for me personally or for other people. Right. right. So it was in that moment that even though it was really hard again, like the Lord just brought me that much closer to him and brought peace and was like, I'm here with you no matter what. And you know, whether your friend is with you, like I am here and got me through that night. Cause it was just, it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> well, you're coming from a small town and you said you're best friends with this person, right? which you, because you said from grade zero, okay, all the way up to graduating high school, you pretty right. much probably knew her. Absolutely. And you yeah. know, cause you had a small class of 20 and right. small school in general, yes. uh, in a small town. And then, you know, you went to college, which is a bigger place, a bigger pond. Right. Right. And all, and then you had the non-alcoholic, you know, mentality. And then she had the release of like, okay, I've been, you know, all my life I've been in a small town. I'm going to have fun now. Right. Exactly. And went two different paths. Yep. <laughs> you could say that most yeah. definitely. You know, and so, okay, pick up from there. What, yeah. So what? anyway, she, you know, she just continued to go down that path. And I'm also the type of person that, um, you know, I just wanted to see her get back her life back on track because her because you're an intercessor yes i'm an intercessor (laughs) and um you know her grades were slipping and and our friendship was suffering and her family's you know relationships were suffering and so i just would just pray and pray and pray for her and um, didn't see all the changes that i wanted to see and so she ended up having to go to rehab um and because i took all of her problems on so much um my family my sister actually lived in denver at the time her and her um husband okay. and their family and um they just all thought it would be a really good idea for me to come out to denver for that summer because they could see that i had just i was just taking on my friends problems too much and i just needed to step away from that 
Yeah. So you're, you're taking on the burden. Yes, I was. So I've learned not to do that anymore. <laughs> well, it's funny how God teaches us, <laughs> things, yes, right? To yes, life experience. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I ended up moving out to Denver and um, just loving it and just being able to be known as Heidi and not my dad's. Mm hmm daughter a little identity yeah your own yep getting some identity and also without that best friend because we did everything together right. everybody always expected us to do even in the small town because she went to drug rehab that summer um everybody thought because i was gone i had gone to drug rehab right like that was just because we did everything together so anyway um but it ended up being the best experience of my life to move to denver and I got to just work with other ethnicities and just the Lord just really opened my eyes. I went to a Gen X church at the time, um, you know, 20s and <laughs> and um, just again, he just became so much more real to me. And, I, you know, just every step of, of my faith journey, like he, he just continues to become more real and open up more of who he is and his character, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, it ended up being a great summer, so much so that. I went back um, to Sioux Falls to finish my degree, and then I ended up moving okay. back to Denver. Now, was that a your college? Was a four-year college? Or um, it was just a two-year two college. Okay, not yep. a community college, but a two-year. Similar, college. yeah. It was a tech school. Tech school. Yep. Yeah. So they just really focused on doing graphics, and you know, you did a few other classes, but mostly that was the main focus. So I'm from Massachusetts, and we have community colleges like that. We had a, a school called Mount Mount. Mount. I think it was called Mount. Okay. <laughs> I forget. But it was a two-year college also. Okay. Uh, yeah. And um, it, it was technical. Um, computer science. If I would have gone there, it would have been computer science. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I could have been in graphics. I, I like graphics. Yeah. Um, I went to a technical high school in um, cabinet making, house carpentry, graphic design, and computer science. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was preferred, which means I could have taken any one of those. Okay. And, but I chose computer science. for, And I tell my story, and the reason why I took it is my, my older brother, six years older than me. Yeah. He was in college, not in college, but was working in college and when I was in high school. And um, he was doing computer. So I said, sure, oh, why not do it? Nice. But I like I like all all of those trades. Yeah. You know, graphic yeah. designing is pretty cool. It is fun. Yeah, so I still do it a little bit today. And oh yeah, yeah, I still I do it today. It. So it's it's nice. So you were there. You graduated from college. Yep. You said you then you moved to back to. So then I moved to Denver. Denver. Okay. Yep, because my sister lived out there, and then she got hooked, me hooked up with her church, and so I lived with some people from her church, okay. um, the first year out there. Um, and again, it was just, I was so excited. I mean, well. I was kind of terrified because it's a huge city. Um, no, it's big. So you went from a small city to a medium city to a big to city. To a really big city. Because it's Denver, right? Yes. Yeah, I've, I yes. only, Mork and Mindy is the only thing I've ever. Oh, okay. <laughs> lots of mountains. Yeah, lots it's of mountains. Skiing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And people are just really laid back. Like, it's just, it's it's a good place. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So, and it was so great, too, because my sister lived there. So I still had family. I didn't right. feel like I was all by myself and everything. So, yeah, it was a great move. And, um. It just, it continued to be home for me, even though I, I would move away to other places, but I'd always come back mm -hmm. to Denver. So anyway, I continued to go to that same um, Gen X church. And um, through that, um, I actually went to a tent meeting that was sponsored by this Gen X church. Never okay. been to a tent meeting before. I wasn't Baptist, had uh, no idea what that was. <laughs> I've only been to one. Right okay. Now, Monkey in Vero oh, Beach. Oh, wow. I, I went to, he was there in Vero Beach and I went to him. Okay. And that's it. That's the only tent meeting I've ever went to. Wow. 
Yeah. They can be pretty intense. I can imagine. Because <laughs> I was from the north, so we didn't really have a lot of, you know, tent revival. Sure. Time. I mean, where more of the south does. Yeah, yeah. So you went to a tent. Um, yeah, I went to a tent meeting and um, didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I just was going because I like the speaker of that church and he was going to be speaking on that night. So I went and... Um, then the main guy that started speaking was a missionary from Honduras. Okay. And um, he started speaking and he's like, by time I get done tonight, there's going to be somebody because they were working on having a trip to go to Honduras from okay. that church. And he's like, by time I get done tonight, there's going to be somebody in this tent meeting who's going to come to Honduras with us. I was like, who is this guy? And where's <laughs> Honduras? And what is this all about? And it was just, I mean, again, it's outside in a white tent, literally. Right. And, um, I, I, it was just, it was just kind of surreal. And yet, um, I'm listening to this guy and he's, he's talking about what the Lord is doing in Honduras. He was actually, um, giving a testimony actually about a prostitute who got radically saved. And it, it just, it just touched me and it was just, so, it was so powerful. And I was like, well, I'd love to experience being overseas and, and telling right. people about Jesus. And, um, honestly, I don't know how it happened, but at the end of the meeting, I was at the front of the tent on my face, knowing that I was the one that was going to Honduras with them. And I didn't know anybody in that church. I didn't know that missionary. I only right. knew the speaker because he was speaking. I didn't even have a personal relationship with him right. or anything. So, um, but I knew I was going to Honduras. Like you couldn't move me off that. I had no idea how I knew, but I just knew. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I went up to the missionary and I was like, Hey, you know, I think I'm that person that you were talking about. I think that I'm supposed to be on this trip. And he's like, all right, well, you know, you need so much money. You need a passport and we're leaving then. And you might want to get hooked up with these people. Cause this is the church that we're going with. And I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff and just a small town hit girl from Iowa and, <laughs> you know, um, so anyway, I, you know, met up with the pastor or whatever. He told me about their discipleship classes. Again, it's a Baptist church. I don't, I, my church didn't necessarily focus on personal relationship and like right. really going deep in the word. So that was all new to me. I'm like, what's discipleship? Like I've been a Christian all my life, but what does that look like? You know? Right. Um, so anyway, um, I ended up going to that church that following Sunday. Um, I talked to my boss to get the time off and he was okay with it. And, um, I told my parents they were not okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no way is our little girl going to Honduras. No. <laughs> right. And yet I knew that I heard the Lord. And so that's kind of where, I don't know, my stubbornness or God's will. I don't know what it was, but I'm like, I know I have to go because I know he's asked me to do this. And so um, at that time you needed to have, you know, your birth certificate to get the passport. Yep. And I, the only way I could get that was from my parents and they weren't willing to, to help me out. So luckily a friend of mine had a aunt in the county that I was from. Right. And so she would, she was able to get my birth certificate, long story short. Right. And so, I mean, I was just watching God just show up and I'm like, I, I can't even believe this. I still don't know any of these people and I'm going to Honduras with them. Like, and it was my first time overseas. So it was like such a huge deal for me. I mean, wow. looking back now, I'm just like, oh, that's no big deal. <laughs> but when you haven't been overseas before and you're like from Iowa, like super small town and all these different things, um, so anyway, I, I watched God move and all the money came in and, you know, got to know these people a little bit better with meetings to prepare for the trip and stuff like that. And 
found myself on a plane to Honduras. <laughs> One so, question before you go a little further. Yeah. Now, I know that was your first, I mean, we'll talk about it over the way, but yeah. this came in my mind is that was your first. How many have you been on since then? How many trips? How many a missionary tri mission oh, trips? Oh, wow. There's been several, probably 10, I'm 10? guessing. Okay. Yeah, probably something like that. I was just thinking about that. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But so this was your first one. That was my very first trip and probably the most memorable just because of what God did in my heart right. to be around all these people that speak a different language than me and just feeling his heart for them. And I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to tell people about Jesus for the rest of my life, you know? And, um, and you're called outside the United States, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, that's what I felt like. You yeah. felt like. Yeah, okay. definitely. Well, the neat thing about it was you heard the call. And, you, you know, you didn't know the people, but you didn't have the money, but God provided. He did. He, he was teaching you the start of how to hear him. Yes. And move and he'll provide. Yes. So. All new to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was an amazing journey. And the funny thing was um, the pastor at this Baptist church, of course, um, Baptist gets baptized by immersion. Right. right? And so um, he had come to me and he's like, Cause he knew I had a conservative background and I had gotten baptized as a baby. And right. you know, at that time it wasn't any big thing to me or whatever, but he's like, so when are you going to get baptized? You know? And I'm like, I'm not, I've, I've been baptized, you know, right. like it doesn't matter. And, um, but anyway, he, he just kind of kept bugging me about it. And finally I just kind of got rude. And I was like, you know, I don't need to be baptized. I was baptized as a baby. I'm good. You know? And I went up to my room and just this, deep conviction hit me and the Lord was like, if I, what if I want you to get baptized? What if I want this to just be another step in your journey with me and a step of obedience, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was like, seriously, <laughs> really? And then he had me look up all these scriptures of adults being baptized. I was like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, right. I don't know how I didn't, but like when you grow up knowing that babies get baptized, that's kind of just that's in your way. mindset, you know? So anyway, um, it was really cool. I ended up getting baptized in the swimming pool under the Honduras sky. Oh, wow. And I will never forget that because um, one of the girls that was on our team, she's like, I took this white dress along and she's like, I just really feel like you're supposed to wear it for your baptism. And, and so I was like, all right, you know, but I mean, it was just so cool to just see how even just a small detail like that right. God lined up. And that girl was like from Texas, huh. you know, so, um, it was just fun watching, watching God move. But again, like we showed some movies, um, just about, you know, learning to know about Jesus and like the Jesus film type stuff. And just seeing people come to know Jesus for the first time, it was just, it was so powerful. And, and then we would knock on their doors and ask them, do you know who Jesus is? And we watched so many people give their lives to the Lord and, it, it was just unlike anything I've ever done before, you know? And, um, like I said, I just knew at that point, like, I want to do this for the rest of my life in some warmer fashion, right? you know? And so, um, one of the guys on the team, I think he could see my passion. He's like, Hey, just so you know, next year we're going to Kenya if you want to come. And I'm <laughs> like, Kenya, that sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, it just, um, yeah, we, we got back and, um, it, it, it was hard. The cultural shift right. shock was really hard for me. Um, 
I didn't think well, it would you be. You should kind of get used to it. You went from a small town to a medium town I to a know, big town right? to a foreign country. Yeah. And then back there again. <laughs> but that, it's more of a spiritual culture change. It was. Um, you know, and it seems like a lot of times there's more hunger for, mm-hmm. for what the body of Christ is doing yeah. in other countries than it is in America. And yeah. I think that's where we need to change. Right. Right. I totally agree. Definitely. I saw that. And then also, I think just the materialism in America, like I saw kids that were just so happy there with like sticks and rocks, you know, and I came home and I'll never forget, like my, my nephew was so upset about his sippy cup because the lid was on wrong. And I was just like, serious, like I just had, and then seeing the malls and all the choices and just everything. I mean, we are such a blessed country and that's an amazing thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm so grateful. Um, but it was really hard because that was the first time I had come from, uh, you know, a much less wealthy nation, I guess, you know, and coming back to America. So that was really, really difficult for me. The Lord just said a blessing without discipline develops spoilism. Mm, that's good. That's really good. And because the Lord has showed me a lot of America back when the, before the pandemic, pandemic was just starting was, I said, he said, America needs a timeout. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of spoiled children in America. Mm, that's and, good. And uh, so he gave us a timeout. Yeah, he did. Most definitely. And we are, I mean, we take things for granted. I mean, simple things, like you said, like a little simple, simple sip, sippy cup, you know, yep. I mean, it, it annoys us, you know, right. where somebody doesn't even have that. Yeah. You know? I yeah. Mean, and you just saw the simple joy, you know, yeah. just of, of being alive. And, and so often I think the more things that you have, um, the more distractions that you have mm-hmm. to get to the things that actually matter. So. Well, it takes your mind, it would, um, I'm thinking of the word, but uh, distracted from the main call of what God has called us to is, right. is you know, um, watch TV, read the Bible. You know, in some countries, or you don't even have TV, so you only, if you have a Bible, that's what you do, you yeah. know. So we in America have too many things that distract us yeah. and excuses um, to not do what we need to do. Right, so. right. Very true. So you're 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 back now. You're kind of getting back into the culture of the United States. Um, how long was it from that trip to your? Okay, let's go back this way. What did you do after you got back from that trip? So um, yeah, I I mean I had a graphics job, so that's yeah. what I was so you doing. Went back to yeah yeah, but um, I also um, joined the prayer ministry team of our church, okay. and that really. Um, again, put me on a trajectory of this is what I want to do for Like mm-hmm. I was always doing that, but to have words for it, mm-hmm. um, and to be in a team and to hear the Lord, um, in a corporate setting, um, was so profound to me. I didn't know that prayer could look like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the Lord really showed me like, that's who I am, that okay. you are an intercessor and this is who I've called you to be. And like, no matter what you do for the rest of your life, like this is always going to be a part of your life. And that has just continued to grow and to grow and to grow. Um, well, isn't that the heart of, of Jesus? Because what's he doing on the right hand of the father right is now? interceding for so, us. Yeah. So you're yes. in his image Yes. as an interceder. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So, um, yeah, then the, the next trip I did end up going to Kenya and, um, that was a little bit of a harder trip for me because, um, just the smells 
and they don't wear any deodorant there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and just a lot of people in 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 a small area and like we would travel about 2 hours to get back into the bush to tell people about Jesus for the first time. And so it was it was super intense and I get car sick really easily so I was yeah. just praying every trip that we <laughs> took like just don't let me throw up God please don't let me throw up. So he did. He answered my prayer every time. Oh, that's so it was good. good. It was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I, I, I've never been on a mission trip. I came close to going to Costa Rica once. But oh, okay. I had, I get my passport and everything. Yeah. Birth certificate and everything and had some money ready for it. And, and then something happened and they canceled the trip. Oh, okay. And, and, and I, I worked a lot during the summertime. I did a oh, camp. Okay. So I couldn't go, but I, I eventually I'm going to take this stuff on the road and, and go, you know, when I get my video equipment and yeah. go, document i'm a documenter that'd be great i do a lot of documentary and that's what I, i'm called to do yeah so i'm uh even though i didn't use my passport and probably have to <laughs> renew it because i think it's every 10 years okay it but, is, right? but you know i'm ready yep you know yep. Um, and my profession what i do i'm having my own business um i can travel anytime i want yeah so that's great nice thing. that is great and as long as god's providing the money and I'm, uh, I'm not worried about it. You get to go. You get to go. So you went to Kenya, and yep. that was a different for trip for, for you. Yeah. This one was more about evangelism okay. and, like, literally going to huts and giving people the gospel story mm-hmm. straight up from, you know, from creation to his crucifixion and his resurrection. And I, I was just, I was so humbled because uh, I'll never forget this guy came to listen to me. He must have been probably 80 years old. And... Oh. I was just blown away. I was probably 20 years old at the time. And I'm just like, how are these people just listening to me? But like, it's the most powerful story on earth. There's nothing more powerful than Jesus, you know? And so, um, I, 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 there's no words actually. I, um, I, I watched the pastor cause we all had to get into, um, teams of two people. And I happened to be, um, in a team with a pastor from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And, um, I listened to him like, you know, kind of give the gospel message. And, and then like, I was just on my face because I was just praying for the people to be able to receive and that it would fall on good soil. Yeah. I was interceding because that's what I do. And then he was like, all right, now it's your turn. And I'm like, excuse me, what? Like, I don't, I'm not a stage person. Like I can't, you know, but I knew that I knew that I had to. And so, yeah, I started talking and and I was just amazed because the people were hanging on every word that I was saying because they had never heard the story before. They never heard about Jesus before. And so I remember I got to the end where it was like Jesus died. And then all of a sudden my mind went blank and I was like, I don't remember what happens next, you know, uh, and then, died. he rose. And, yeah, exactly. Like that's the most important part of the story. And, um, and I remember like, yeah, trying to get his attention. Like, what do I say next? Cause I wasn't, you know, I was just, I was so amazed that they were just freeze. listening. Yes. To everything. And finally I did say, you know, they, he rose. And then, um, it was fun because they speak Swahili there okay. and it was the same time that Lion King had come out. And uh, so I was just like, Akuna Matata, which means no worries, uh, but it's Swahili. And th- they all like perked up, like what? She just spoke our language, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, heaven is Akuna Matata. No worries, you know? And so, um, That's and then cool. people gave their, their lives to the Lord and wow. the 80 year old actually talked to us later on and he had had a dream that somebody was going to share good news with him the next day and that he needed to be in the place at that time. 
and he just knew that we that I it just happened to be me, but right. that I got to give that story that I was the answer to that dream, to that wow. prayer. So yeah, from very early on in missions, just the Lord just you know, he just has this amazing way of knowing how to get to each person's heart. Like it's really true. Like nobody is too far from the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, to get be, to get to be used in that way was just okay. amazing. Amazing. So from Kenya, you went back, back to your job again and went back to my job again. So I did a lot of, I, I call myself like a marketplace cross-cultural missionary because I was like I you know anywhere oh, I'll I was use that on the, on your profile on the picture yeah. I'll, I'll remember this in the recording and write that down that's how I'm going to describe you because it's really true I mean my heart is for people to know Jesus wherever I am you know and I get that it's different here in America you can't just stop and preach the message right but you preach the message by how you live your life right and that's what I was just thinking that's you know let them see Jesus through you right exactly and yeah. so um yeah, and I and I really tried to do that. Um, so I'm trying to think. Yeah, when I came back, so at that point, um, I that was the last time I worked in graphics. Okay. Um, then the Lord moved me into a different field of optometry. Actually, optometry. Okay. yeah. So I worked for a LASIK surgeon. Uh. which, you know, that wasn't ever in the plan. I mean, my life, I'm just like, nothing was ever in the plan. I don't know. <laughs> like God just puts us all in these different, you know. You're like a leaf and the wind is just blowing. Pretty much. You know? Yeah. People call me, you know, this, this, this nomad because, or this gypsy, Christian gypsy, because I just continue to just, okay, I'm here for a moment. Then I'm here. Like I, I kind of, it's like God has me on assignments. Like here's yeah. your assignment. Here's your next assignment. Here's your next assignment. So well, I always feel like God does that <clears> with people in, you know, in my life. God will put people in my life for a short amount of time. And, sure. and a lot of it is intercession. Yeah. You know, like, okay, they're not Christians. They're not saved. Yep. And, um, you know, whatever, it's not for a relationship. It's just, I mean, it's other than friendship, you know, there's a purpose. Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're the angel in fl- or Jesus in flesh. Yes. Yes. You know, so, Very uh, true. So you're right. Optometry. So you're doing that now. Yes. So, all right. Where you go from there? So then, yeah, I did that for, for a couple of years. Honestly, the trip to Kenya was a little bit more difficult than what I expected. Right. It was amazing, but that the the cultural piece was was really hard for me and i felt like i just kind of had to back away from missions for for oh. a season um i just didn't feel, I, I don't know that i felt like i had enough training to be there again it, it was just so i mean we're seeing people in huts like you know like you see national geographic right like they'd never seen a camera before like it it was just it was very primitive where we were at. Wow. And so it, that had a huge impact on me. And I was like, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm ready to do this. I also experienced, um, a girl that was, I'm pretty sure she was demon possessed mm-hmm. and, um, like being in a Baptist church, they don't necessarily believe in that. Right. So I found myself in this struggle because I knew enough about that to be dangerous to not, you know, so I just knew we had a worship. Um, so, you know, I just led people in worship, but, um, but it was, you know, that country is, is very dark spiritually. And so, um, like I said, I'm just like, I just, I just need to step back from, from missions for a little bit. So, and then, um, 
yeah, so I worked for this laser surgeon for a while. He's he's very well known. He was actually a Jewish man, so I, I prayed for him all the time too, you know, and I actually got to have the LASIK surgery myself and it was just amazing because I was super blind and now, yeah. I'm, now I'm not. I know, that's a good thing. <laughs> so. I know I was quali- I'm qual- was qualified for it, you know, but I just... It was expensive yes. you know, years ago. Yes, it was very expensive. I, I had a friend of mine that had it done. Um, her name was Christina. She worked for, T, not TBN, CBN. Oh, and, sure, yeah. Region University and stuff like that. So they gave her, like, we'll do one eye, you can do the other. So they get half, oh, half yeah. off. That's so nice. She took advantage of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I was the poster child, so I got it for free because I worked the front desk. Ah, so, yeah. Wouldn't have been looking good if someone coming in for surgery yeah. wearing glasses. <laughs> exactly. You know. So... Yeah. So that worked out pretty well. And, um, yeah, again, just, I was just, I just prayed for my coworkers a lot. I ended up, one of my best friends came from that office and she really wasn't a believer or anything. And, you know, through the time that we spent together, she actually later on ended up, um, accepting Jesus into her life. And it was actually on my birthday, which was such an amazing birthday gift because I remember calling her up and she was just really struggling. And I just, you know, I was talking to her about Jesus and she's like, yeah, that's nice. That's good for you. And I'm like, but it's for you too, you know? And, um, so I ended up praying with her to receive Jesus and it, you know, sometimes you're like, eh, I don't know if that was real or not. Like with her, it was absolutely real and her life changed, wow. um, because of it. So like, like I said, I just think wherever God puts you, you just have no idea, you know, the, um, the ministry opportunities that are there, the people right. that need to see Jesus, you know? Okay. So, so you, you kind of taking a break from the mission field. Yep. You're back working for the doctor. Yep. And. Um, from there, you, you were doing some ministry work yep. in person. What's going on from that point? I mean, how long was there the dry season in the sense of, of mission? Um, and I'm not sure that it, it was a dry season. It was just kind of that I just knew that it just wasn't time to go back. back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, um, yeah, I was continuing to go to this Gen X church mm-hmm. And, um, a girl had come from YWAM actually, okay. and she joined our, I know our, that place quite well. Yes. Love YWAM. Um, and she was explaining to us more about the Holy spirit. And again, being in a Baptist church, they don't necessarily believe super, I mean, they believe the Holy spirit, but they don't necessarily move in the gifts of the spirit as much. And all of a sudden she came into our team and she prayed in the spirit and she, she looked straight at me. She's like, you speak in tongues. And I'm like, excuse me. (laughs) First of all, what does that mean exactly? And, um, no, I don't. (laughs) And, um, it ended up being that she really, um, challenged us, um, to find out about the Holy spirit and the gifts of the spirit. And so, um, within the team, people started prophesying. We went to conferences to learn more and, um, she really challenged me about if I wanted to do missions, um, that I should consider YWAM. Okay. And so I ended up doing that. Okay. And, and why, YWAM where? YWAM was in Australia. Australia, okay. Queensland, Australia. And it was uh-huh. called Reef to Outback. Okay. Um, so we got to go camping for two weeks in the Outback. And uh, it, it was it, it was an amazing experience. But the, the sweetest thing I always think was um, on Valentine's Day before... I actually went, um, I got my acceptance from YWAM that I was accepted to go 
to, to the Australia. base. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. And it was on Valentine's Day. So I, I always like, Lord, what's my Valentine's Day presents? Cause you know, yeah. that's what <laughs> you have a precedent here and this right. is what, you know, cause he's such a personal God with us, you know, he just yeah. loves us so much. And so, um, yeah, that was huge. And I, again, I think it was, it was scary for my family. It was the first time I was going to be traveling by myself. Um, usually you go with the team this right. time I was going to be meeting everybody right. in Australia. Australia. And, um, I just remember, yeah, being, being afraid and like, okay, God, you, you call me to this, but I was in DIA at the, you know, the airport in Denver and mm -hmm. there was a huge thunderstorm. And at that point, like people could still go to the gate and stuff. And like, I was just, I was terrified. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> and I was probably 24, 25 at this point, I think. And I just remember I started walking the concourse and I ended up finding a guy that had gone to, um, that same Gen X church. Okay. And he just, he gave me a hug. He's like, you're going to do great. I'm so excited for you. And it was literally like, Jesus was just like, I just want you to know that I'm here with you and you're going to be able, you're going to be just fine, you know? Oh, cool. And so it was crazy though, because then I had a layover at LAX and I'll never forget this guy came up to me <laughs> and for whatever reason, oh, cause we had a layover in Thai, uh, Taipei, I think, Taiwan. And so there's all these Asian people. Right. And and then this white guy comes up to me <laughs> and like literally we're the only like Caucasian people. Everybody else is Asian. And he came up to me. He's like, so are you going to Australia? And I'm like, okay, weird. How the heck did you just know that? You know? And he's like, yeah, you're going to Australia and you're going with YWAM. Right. And I'm like, okay, now you're really freaking me out. How do you know these things, you know? And then it ended up being that he was actually from that base and he was flying there as well oh. um, from Canada. And he's like, I thought it would be weird if I asked you if your name was Heidi. He's like, you know, we've been praying for you for the last six months. And so he's like, I know who you are and I knew your picture. And so, and it was so great because it ended up being that he had the exact same trip to Australia as I did, even up to the bus ride and everything. So it was oh. like the Lord just kind of put him in my path and it's like, here you go. I'm going to give you an angel so that you don't have to, right. you know, navigate this on your own, which I was so grateful for. Cause you, cool. you just never know, you know, when you get in foreign countries and right. oh, yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of variables that you have to go through. So, um, yeah, so God totally took care of me and that just began the springboard of, um, yeah, I think again, you know, I'm, I'm such an intercessor and God just could, would continue to deepen my relationship with him, um, and, and learn how to trust him mm -hmm. more, you know? And, um, yeah. So as a YWAM, one of their biggest things is hearing the voice of God. And I was just amazed how clearly I was hearing the voice of God. Cause when you're with, you know, 50, 60 people that all want that and everybody's praying for that, like the Lord is just like, right. you know, right on that, <laughs> you know, he's drawn to that. And so, so um, it definitely is, is growing you from, yes. from the small town to where you are right now. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of changes. Yes, a lot of changes. A lot of growth. Yep, a, a lot, lot of, of growth. A lot of adventure. <laughs> so how long were you at YWAM for? So I was there for five and a half months. Oh, five and a half months. Yep. Okay. And then it was in that time, though, um, that 9-11 happened, actually. Uh, and so I just remember like people were waking up and they were talking about buildings falling. And I was like, I thought somebody was talking about their dream. I was like, what, what are y'all talking about? And then of course we watched it on TV and I think it was, it was hard for some of the people on the team because they all, they wanted to be back in America with their family. Right. And, um, 
for me, I mean, I was okay being there. I'm like, I know that God brought me here and I'm, I'm going to be okay. But it, it was surreal at the same time because you're not in America. Right. And so Australians aren't going to respond to a tragedy like that like Americans would, right. you know, I mean, they try to be sympathetic and everything, but you know, it's same as us. Like we wouldn't have that much compassion. I mean, you have compassion, but if it's not your country, right. you know, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that was, that was crazy intense. Um, and then our, so they have like a minor and a major outreach and our minor outreach was just like in the towns of Australia, like the smaller towns mm -hmm. of kind of around the base. But then our major outreach was going to be in Indonesia, but because of the terrorist attacks, they're like, it's really not safe for you to go there. So we went to a number of different islands around mm -hmm. Australia. So that was our outreach. Um, and again, it was just art. So our outreach was, it was called worship intercession warfare. Okay. And so again, God just really like deepened that in me and like caused me to even lead out in some areas and, um, just watching him move, how he would direct, like what towns to go to, what people to speak to, because when you do outreach, a lot of times with YWAM, they don't actually have a whole lot set up. Like mm -hmm. they're like, okay, this is where we're gonna stay this night. This is where we're gonna stay. Like, like it's a lot of its faith and just mm -hmm. trusting God. Right. And so, um, it was so fun because like just watching God show up and again, just knowing he's such a personal God and he's never just going to leave you hanging. Mm -hmm. You know, it completely changed how, again, how I saw, how I saw God and just continue to grow my faith, Right. you know? So, um, yeah, it was a really, really great experience for me. Plus, you, you're surrounded by all these other countries that right. are learning about God at the same time, and your heart is just growing for the nations more and more and more, you know? Um, so it was, yeah, it was just awesome. And then we went to, um, I remember going to Fiji, and we had to wow. climb this mountain that was like, people are like, you don't go up there, like that's Satan's oh. territory or whatever. And, and we're, again, like, 25, 26, I guess. Um, we're just like, well, Lord told us to go up there. We're going up there. Like right. there was just no fear. And I just think that the Lord gives you so much grace sometimes when you really don't right. have a clue what you're doing. <laughs> and, um, we, we went up to this place and just worshiped and they hadn't had rain on that Island for a long time. And the Lord just brought this like downpour. Like we, we got down from the mountain and then it just like was this downpour. And everybody was just amazed that it was raining. And I mean, we were just worshiping and just declaring God's greatness over the island, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, just seeing that happen and then also just seeing breakthrough for people um, because a lot of YWAM, too, is just your personal relationship with the Lord and um, forgiveness, you know, when you hold things in and just seeing people get set free from so much. And I was just amazed because I was actually one of the older people on you know, on the trip. And, um, so seeing these young kids like come right out of high school and what they had gone through, mm -hmm. I, I was just blown away. And I, I know like now that's like several years ago. So I can't even imagine what, you know, some of these young people are going through, but anyway, just watching God show up for them, right. you know, in power. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a really great experience. So you said you were there for five and a half months, five and a half months. All right. Yep. So now you go back to the doctor again. Uh, did I go back to the doctor? Yes, I did. Okay. So, yep. so you're now there. So yep. 
Yeah. So it was crazy because I would like go do missions and then I'd come back and then go do missions and come back. And I was actually at that LASIK place three different times. They kept hiring me Couldn't back. <laughs> You know, that, that just shows you how God is, you know, he says, okay, I want you to do something, but I'm working. Well, do it. And then he yeah. took care of it. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times you would say, okay, I'm not going to have a job when I get back, you know? Right. Uh, and God said, nope, I got it. I got it covered. I got it covered. Got it covered. So got you go covered. back there again, you work there for again, for a while. Yep. I worked there for a while and, um, yeah, let's see what happened after that. Um, I ended up moving to um, Colorado Springs, which is only a Heard of that. only like an hour away from Denver. Um, a major church there is called New Life Church. It's it's just a it's a mega church, and again, that was um, I, I was going to a class there called Experiencing the Holy Spirit, and again, the Lord was just taking me deeper in the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm always just amazed. I'm like the layers of the Spirit is just. You know, you think you understand it and then it's like, oh no, here's a whole other realm, like, <laughs> you know? And so, it's um, like the angels around the, um, the, the, the throne yes. with the eyes. There's, yes. There's many absolutely. aspects of God yes. constantly being revealed. Yes. That's yeah. so true. So he's giving you a taste of that. Yes. Yes. So, um, it was at that time that the Lord really opened up my heart, um, towards the middle East Okay. and, um, I got to go to Turkey for the first time. Oh, wow. And um, I hadn't, again, I, I hadn't been on, um, yeah, probably since Australia. It was probably, I don't know, a few years after that. So I, I had always wanted to go back, but I, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. The Lord never opened the door. Right. So anyway, um, I, I went to Turkey and it, it just, again, like for me, I always just like, I have a heart for people, but I have a heart for the land. I love to be in the land and just mm -hmm. pray for the, the people in the land, but the whole, like the whole nation of Turkey to come to know the Lord, you know? And so I would just pace the balcony and just pray and pray and pray and, um, just believing for God's revival in that land. And, and it, you know, it's, it's a desert there and like just, just seeing water and know that God was going to bring spiritual water into that land and just believing that we were there for about six weeks. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was about, um, it was, we went with a team called the Caleb project. They don't exist any longer, but, um, we went under the auspices of, uh, cult intercultural study tours. And so we would go into every area of, um, society, whether it be religious. So the, the one man that was on our team, he would go to the mosque or we would go, um, you know, to see the women and what they do in their small groups or go to the little shops, um, and just find out the whole culture, not just about Christianity. Right. And because we were there to, um, help the missionaries have fresh eyes mm -hmm. for the people, like what's most important to the people. And if you were to start a church, like, can you have men and women together and all these different things. So they, they sent us in as a team. And the reason we were called Caleb project, cause they wanted us to just be fresh eyes and see everything for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like for the first two weeks, we didn't even get an interpreter. It's like, you just need to go out and meet people and use the broken Turkish that, you know, and tell us what you think, you know? And, um, but it was amazing again, cause God divine appointments. And, uh, we met this family in the park. I'll never forget. And, um, they invited us into their home and it was so funny cause we were trying to use our broken Turkish and our little <laughs> phrase book and like 
yeah, communication was not so great. And then finally, two weeks later, then they actually gave us an interpreter and, um, we found out like we were miscommunicating all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think today's a little easier with modern technology because we have now on your phone, you have an app that you can actually speak and it will yes. translate into other, other languages. Yes. Um, that would have been very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but they say the fastest way to learn a new language is yeah. go in and just do that. Yeah. You go in and you have to learn the words for bathroom and water or store or whatever right right you know yeah that's so true you have to learn it because if you don't nothing will happen yeah yeah it's very true so um so it really just knit my heart um to turkey i think because we were so involved with the culture it wasn't like you're just here to see things like you actually get to be with the people you get to hear their stories and um it, I think it was hard for me because you, one of the things that we heard was that the men, well, they expected their wives to be virgins. Uh, and, um, but of course for them, it was fine. They could be with as many people as possible. So we're like, well, how does that work then? <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's what the tourists are for. And we're like, oh, great. Okay. Note to self, you know, and, and just, there's so much, um, infidelity and affairs and but it's never the woman it's you know the woman is always to blame you know right. and and we would hear that story again and again and again from from these women and and they weren't treated you know very well i mean it's very much women are second class you know citizen and so and then you know just seeing them covered um like it was just so eye opening to me because they have this whole world under that covering, you know, you only see their eyes, but they're these amazing, amazing women and so strong, you know, and, um, again, just really knit my heart to, to these people and, and broke my heart for the men because like they, that's just how they're brought up, you know, like they're just doing generationally what they've seen and, um, and when you serve a God like Allah, who there is no love and it's all about submission and, you know, you can't expect a culture to produce love out of that, you know, and yet they're the most hospitable people, you know. And so, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love Turkey and I was there for about six weeks. So I was good there, you know, for a good chunk of time. And um I really want to go back and it seems like God would do that to me. He was like, he put me in a place like, Oh, I really want to go back. And then he's like, maybe someday, you know, but he says, okay, you want there, but I have over here a plan. Yes. For you. It's yes. A, it's something different. Yes, so. exactly. So you were there for six weeks. Yes. Then you went back again to the job. Um, so then I was back in Colorado Springs and, um, and then it was really interesting because I did feel like the Lord said, I, I want to send you back to Turkey, but I wasn't sure how that was going to happen. And, um, some of my friends at the time, um, they were going to be doing a, a church plant actually here in Orlando. And, um, they just said, we really want you to come to one of our meetings so that you can be praying for us. Cause they were going to be leaving soon. Right. They knew that you were an intercessor. And they knew I was an intercessor. So I was like, sure. Yeah, no problem. I'll come check it out. Whatever. didn't think anything of it. And, you know, I get back from the meeting and I was like, yeah, that was great. And I'm super excited for you guys. And, um, and then, but then I was, you know, really praying like, okay, what, what am I doing next? You know, I'm back at the LASIK place again. Mm -hmm. And 
but I have this huge heart for Turkey. And so do I need to raise support? Is that what God is saying to go back to Turkey or, you know, I, I just wasn't sure. So I ended up doing a three day fast and I get to the end of the fast. And so clearly I hear the Lord say, you're moving to Orlando. And I'm like, what? Orlando? Like that's not even on the agenda. Like, right. <laughs> And it ended up being that I went down with that church plant with my friends. Okay. And um, it was funny because the pastor is like, well, if you want to go to Turkey, you know, we'll just be, you'll just be the first missionary that we send to Turkey. And I was like, hey, that works for me. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I ended up doing the, the church plant and um, I learned a lot about church and politics and <laughs> <laughs> More you know, than you wanted to probably know. Probably more than I wanted to know. Um, I also, the Lord really stretched me in the prophetic. Um, he definitely expanded my my gifting in that. I and was then, wondering where, you know, all the things you talked about, speaking in tongues and, you know, hearing the word of God, you know, hearing God's voice. I says, okay, there's got to be somewhere because I know what church you're in now. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I said, prophetic has to be in there somewhere. Yes, yes, absolutely. So now this is where your training of the prophetic started. Yeah, at. yeah. It was kind of just like a crash course, like, here you go. Like you hear the Lord and you need to give this to the church. So, and the pastor trusted me, which was, which was cool. Okay. Um, but, and, uh, yeah, when I got down there, I'm like, yeah, I'll just do whatever. Cause I didn't think I was going to be there very long. Right. So, um, then he, the person that was going to be leading, um, the prayer ended up not leading the prayer. And so he came to me, he's like, I know you have a heart for intercession. He's like, what do you feel about being our prayer coordinator for the church? And I'm like, am I qualified for that? Like, I don't know. Like God seems to just like throw me in the deep end. Like right. just swim, just swim. Yep. you got this, you know? So, um, yeah. So I ended up doing that and I absolutely loved it. Just poured myself into it. The pastor was from Nigeria and he very much believed in the power of prayer. And so we would have prayer every Thursday night and then we would do one long prayer session, like three or four hours the first Friday of every okay. month. And, um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was so fun to see the corporate body come together and, and believe like, we just believe so much that this church was, you know, just to make a huge impact in Orlando, you know? Um, and uh, I mean, unfortunately it became more about the man than it came, you know? So, I mean, we're all, you know, on this journey together and we're all learning. And so nothing even against the man, but, um, it ended up being that the, the church ended up splitting and people left and yeah, it wasn't very pretty, unfortunately. It, it wasn't that old either. No, it wasn't that old. It was, yeah, probably it ended up being probably like a year and a half, maybe wow. or something like Usually that. Usually after our church has been around for a while that yeah. There's division in it, you know, but not yeah. as early. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it, was it was a little rough. So where did you go from there? So then, let me see. I went, I think, oh, yes, I went back to Denver. Okay. And then the Lord had another surprise for me as I was driving back. I, I did stop in Iowa to see my parents, and I got an email from a friend, and they were going to go to Israel. Oh. And she's like, the Lord just really put it on my heart that you're supposed to come with us. I was like, I had no money. Right. <laughs> Story of my life. Um, but anyway, and at the time, probably no job and no job. Not yet. Nope. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, was like, no, I, I don't think that that's, 
the right time. Like I'm just getting back from Florida and I'm still kind of reeling from that whole experience or whatever. And, and then sure enough, God, God spoke and was like, no, I want you to go to Israel. And so I went to Israel with that, um, mega church or whatever. And it, it was amazing because we got to see all the different ministries in Israel. And I mean, just being there was right. uh, just amazing. But again, my heart is so for people. Like I just love being in relationship with people. So yeah, I love the land and I love hearing the stories and everything. But like when you, the, the, we actually, let me back up a little bit. So we um, went to Germany first. Okay. We went to Dachau and to Munich and um, I, I just seeing those concentration camps, that was just, uh. ugh. It was rough, but the cool thing was, um, on the ground, there were these rocks and they were gray rocks and they had crisscross, white crisscross in them. And it looked like, it looked like the cross. And it was like, again, it's just God's redemption in these dark places, but that those rocks were there when that concentration camp was actually running, you know? So it was like, he was trying to get to his people even in the midst of that. Um, and then. I remember like with our team, the Lord said that you're going to see signs and wonders on this trip. And, um, we went in a time where there was not supposed to be any kind of snow or precipitation in it for, for sure in Germany. And, um, we got to the area where the like crematorium was and it was kind of eerie at first because it just started, it started snowing just oh. real lightly. Um, and it, but it felt like it was almost the flesh of the people rising up, you know, and you just got this overwhelming sense of this is what it really looked like. And then pretty soon, like there was just this downpour of snow <laughs> and white and just covered the ground. And the Lord, you know, was just like, you know, though your sins are like scarlet, like I'm going to make them as white as wool. And it was just so profound the way that the snow covered everything in that purity, in that holiness. Like I think of Pastor Charlie in his book, you know, mm -hmm. Baptism of Innocence. And, um, yeah. It, so, I mean, that was just, it was just so profound because to be in such a dark place and yet the Lord, I think he just, he looks at everything so differently. He can redeem anything, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so that was just really powerful. And then of course, meeting people in Germany and then we go into Israel after that. And, seeing people in Israel that still have the tattoo from those concentration camps. Oh, wow. And after being there, you're just like, like it's just, and that's when the Lord just really knit my heart with Israel and the Jewish people. So like in Turkey, it was the Muslims. And now in Israel, it's the Jews. And I had no idea what he was putting together at that point, but he was really just giving me a heart for the whole Middle East. Right. So, um, yeah, Israel was, I just, I just love the people there so much. Um, being at the, the side of the temple, praying there, um, actually meeting people, having dinner with them, you know, and hearing their stories or of their, their parents or grandparents or how they came to know the Lord. I mean, because, you know, they don't really look kindly upon Jews that turn to Jesus in Israel, Messianic yeah. Jews, because it's kind of like slowing your soul to, the de not to the devil, but like it's, yeah, it's looked down upon definitely. Um, so, uh, you know, j it, it takes a lot to be, to be a Christian right. there or messianic Jew. And so, 
um, yeah, just getting to see the people and we got to pray over the ministries and prophesy over the ministries. And, um, the people that I was with were just like really strong leaders in the church. So it, it, there wasn't, it was really nice cause there wasn't any like immaturity, which is like, I was probably the, one of the youngest people there. And so, um, it, it was just powerful to be among leaders, you know, and, um, just to see what God was doing in the land. So, um, so how much of traveling around Israel did you do? Um, yeah, we went, we were there for two weeks. So we went up and down, like we were at Tel Aviv, which is, you know, more of a major city. Mm -hmm. And then we were at Galilee, Sea of Galilee. So we were in a boat where Jesus, of course, Mm -hmm. walked on water. Um, and that was just like, you just feel his presence there in a way that you you can't really describe here. And I always tell people if they go to Israel, make sure you bring a journal because you want to write what you feel when you're there because you can't access it when you come back. It's, it's just a completely different spiritual environment. Well, as the saying is you're walking where Jesus walked. Right. Right. And that is a little, you know, I mean, you know. It's it's different. Yes, <laughs> I've never been there. I have friends of mine that live in Israel. Oh, okay. They're music ministers in Israel. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they have a school of worship there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I not have ever. I do want to go one day. I, I just haven't traveled a lot outside the United States. But my goal is a lot of traveling inside the United States. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of those places would be interesting to go to. Yeah. I mean, I I would probably like to go there one time. Yeah. So. All right, so you went to Israel for a couple of weeks, and then you came back, and now you're back in the workforce again, I'm sure. And I'm back in the workforce again. Um, now I'm actually at a different optometry office, um, but I stayed with optometry, um, but it, it was a general practice. Um, this was back in Colorado again. Colorado, because, yep. yeah, you went from Orlando to Colorado. Yeah. Okay, so now you're working there. Yep, and so, um, yeah, again, I was just um, – <laughs> The Lord then really introduced me into understanding more about Catholicism out of huh. all places. Never thought that that would happen, but my boss right. was a really strong Catholic and his family is really strong and, um, but they love Jesus so much. Right. And so he was such a man of integrity. And so I, I'd ask them, you know, why do you got ashes on your head? Like, what is that? You know? And that's literally how our conversation started about Catholicism and, um, the Lord, I think, through my journey in life has just really taught me just to love people from all streams right. of faith under Jesus Christ. And because in heaven there's, you know, there's not going to be any difference. And so, um, I was really grateful for that because I kind of always thought Catholicism, I'm like, I don't know about that, you know? And then I read books, you know, by mother Teresa and just her humility and her absolute generosity, you know, to the poor. And of course, and, um, was challenged by her, you know, and again, it was just the Lord just continuing to, to stretch me and challenge me, come up higher. You know, I want to show you my character in this person who you would never expect it to be. So, um, that Catholic family became like my second family and, um, yeah, I just spent tons of time with them. So that time period in my life pretty much just was really revolved around Catholicism and, and just learning more and being with that family. Um, so that was pretty amazing. And then, um, the Lord continued on my journey to the Middle East. I ended up meeting, um, some people at a prayer meeting and, um, 
they had been missionaries in Cyprus, kind of Egypt, Israel as well. Like they focused on houses of prayer um, in the Middle East and and networking them together so that when you have, because a lot of houses of prayer can have like two to five people. So like really networking them together so they don't feel like they're alone. Mm -hmm. And so um, they had had to come off the field because the wife had gotten sick and, um, but they, you know, continued to do prayer every week or whatever. And so the Lord just really knit my heart together with them and they ended up um, forming a team to go back to the Middle East. And I was the first person that joined that team. So I got to go back to the Middle East and I felt like the Lord said, cause I had such a heart for Israel. And I felt like the Lord said, I'm not only going to give you Israel, I'm going to give you Egypt and Turkey as well, you know? And so I was just so excited because this ministry was really about, um, seeing the, the two brothers come together. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Esau, no, Jacob and Esau, right? right? No, Ishmael and Isaac. Sorry, got the wrong guys. (laughs) So, um, but seeing them come together and um, there's such a blessing on that, you know, and even the the scripture that we have out there, you know, when brothers dwell together in unity, there's such a blessing on that. And um, before, before I joined the team and we, we actually went to the Middle East, I did go to a conference in Kansas City. That was at the International House of Prayer, and I got to see. I hope. Yes, and I and I got to see this actually happen. Like there was a Muslim background believer with a Jewish Messianic Jewish believer, and to see those two come together and pray together, and there's just something like no other because you know, they are brothers if you go all the way back, you know, and there's just something so profound about that. And so that was really their ministry. And they did a lot of work even within Israel, um, for, for Arab believers to receive Israel because, um, Israel is very divided as you know, between Palestinians and, and the Jews. Um, and only through Jesus Christ can there be actual unity and, love for one another. Right. So, yeah, so I, I joined this team and it was a very small team. It was just four of us. Um, but we, so we were based actually in Kansas city with international house of prayer. And so part of it was just praying, being in the house of prayer. And then we would take trips into the middle East and help really, you know, network with them and just strengthen the relationships between the houses of prayer. And we'd also put on conferences with the different houses of prayer. And so to just really build those relationships strong, because if you don't have that, it's really hard to function without those strong relationships. And so they were called the Lighthouse Network and they, they still do that today. And, um, now there's, I, I don't even know the number of houses of prayer in the Middle East. There's, there's so many of them. Um, but the coolest thing is, I think, about the house of prayer. So it was like God actually, he He put missions and prayer together for me, mm-hmm. you know. And um, the coolest thing about the house of prayer is you can go to the darkest places on the earth and still have worship and still have prayer. And that changes the atmosphere, right. you know. And, and I found like that's really where my heart is. It's not just intercession. It's not just worship. It's not just evangelism. Like it's all three, Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and to see that that can happen through the house of prayer. So it was like the Lord, I'm just amazed. It's like, he just puts these puzzle pieces together and he's like, this is what I'm calling you to. And so, um, I got to be with their ministry for about a year and a half. And again, we just took several trips, um, you know, into Cyprus, Jordan, Egypt, Israel, and it was all about just strengthening relationships and, and growing deeper in the house of prayer and um, challenging one another and um, just seeing atmospheres change in these nations. It's just, you know, people are always like, well, you need, you know, a ton of people to change something. And, it, and through prayer, like if you have faith with two people, like God can move. And, um, and it's just profound how... Uh, the houses of prayer continue to grow and continue. Like I, I know, like, you know, you think of the Middle East, you think of Hezbollah, you think of ISIS and all these different things. And, and yet God is moving. And there's so many, you're talking about miracles. Like there's so many miracles of, of people that have visions of the man in white, you know, and they're meeting Jesus in their dreams. And then they, they meet somebody and like, Hey, have you heard about Jesus? You know, it's like, actually, I just met him in my dream last night. I mean, they don't even document those things anymore because it happens on such a common level. I mean, it happens all the time and the Lord is moving so powerfully in the Middle East. So anyway, that was just, I felt like the Lord just put everything together for me when I, you know, got to work with them. That's so. cool. So on your journey, you've, you know, been doing trips to the Middle East. Where are you going from there? Where, what, where has God taken you from there? Where has God taken me? Where, where's the path? Where's... So for me right now, I think he has really shown me that wherever I am, I, cause my heart is truly, I love to, to, um, play on the piano, love to worship. And so I feel like he's like, wherever you go, I'm making you a house of prayer. Cool. All right, so we can kind of wrap this up a little yeah. bit. I don't want to end your story because yeah. I know how your, not your story ends because you're yeah. not done, but I know where you are right now. Right. So let's see if we can get from your Israel trips, your overseas trips to here somehow. Okay. Before we, you know, I mean, we've been we're doing good on time and, and we yeah. got, you know, maybe another 15 minutes at the max, but, you know, yeah, because I, I don't know how much more of your story there is. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, that's, yeah, it's pretty much kind of getting so, to the end. Cause I, I'm in my mind is, okay, she's been here. She's been there. She's been there. Okay. How did she get the Deltona, Florida <laughs> identity church? Right. So basically exactly. get us from where you're going overseas. And, and it's going to take as much time as you need, but that's basically where I want to land right yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I came back from that and, um, yeah, I did a few other, Lord had me on a few other assignments and then I felt like, um, I had some really good friends from the um, house church or the church plant that we did in Orlando. It was about 15, 16 years ago now, I guess and um stayed in touch with them the waltons mm -hmm. and um yeah i i came out to visit them and it was, it was just actually blown away by the church by the identity church and wow. i had never seen a church that moved in the spirit and just completely surrendered to the time i'll never forget um elder rodney had said uh, at one of the services that I was at, he said, woe to the clock watcher or something like that. And I was just like, this is amazing. Cause he was basically saying, we just need to keep worshiping, right. <laughs> you know? And I was like, Oh, this I'm home. <laughs> yeah. 
and yet I still lived in Colorado. And so, um, I, then I just, you know, I, I kept watching it online and then little by little, I just really felt like the Lord was, was calling me back to, um, to Orlando. And it was actually a little bit difficult because uh, that church plant experience wasn't the best experience for me. So I wasn't as excited. Um, I I had a little bit of intrepidation about coming back, but I just knew that I knew that Lord was asking me to come. Uh And I knew that, um, the Lord had just shown himself so powerfully, even in the midst of some really difficult times, I watched him move so much through prayer, just by being prayer coordinator at that church and stuff like that. So I was like, well, if this is where you want me to go, I guess this is where we're going to go. And so I quit my job and everybody thought I was crazy because it was the best job I've ever had since college. And, um, you know, left my sister and she was like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, um, but it obviously wasn't the first time. So they were kind of used to it. And yeah, I got here. And again, like just going with the Lord, like saying, I want everywhere you are to be house of prayer. When I ended up with the Waltons, like the Lord said, I don't want you to look for a job. I want you to intercede. I want you to intercede for this nation. I want you to intercede for the church in this nation. And I had no idea what was coming, right. of course. And the Lord just really had me on my face every day. And one of the scriptures, he said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And, um, just, and, and just really, um, for the church to rise up in its, in its true calling as the bride of Christ. And so I did, I prayed and, and the Waltons were so kind to me. They're just like, you know, you just have to do whatever the Lord's asking you to do. And it ended up being this, this incredibly intense process, um, uh, you know, uh, of praying and worshiping, but just my heart just growing in that, you know, and then to, to end the story how I, the Lord was so kind to me because after that I I hadn't been working, so I didn't have the finances. He supernaturally provided for me and allowed me to go um, back to the Middle East to another conference and to bless the people that I had worked with several years before. And they, again, it was, you know, Turkey and Israel and Iraq and Jordan and Iran and, and just to hear their stories again and just to see how God continues his work and it's expanding and it's growing. And, um, knowing now that like, whether I am in the Middle East or whether I'm here, like moving in the power of the spirit through worship, through the house of prayer, um, even if it's just one or two people, it has a profound impact right. on the Middle East. And so that's what I've been doing. I, you know, I'm hooked up with um, several intercession um, watches for the Middle East. And I know that it's making a difference. And so the Lord's really showing me like, it's by my spirit. It's not necessarily where your feet are planted. It's by my spirit. Right. And and so like, I still get to have an impact on the Middle East. So that's where, that's where I'm at and continue to have an incredible heart for the Middle East. So we'll see where, where God brings me. So in closing, where do you think God is kind of leading you? Because it's, I mean, not that he picks you up and moves you quite often, but he has in he does. some sense. I've moved 24 times since college. So, okay. Yes. That, that is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, God's hand's been involved in all yes. And as I sense, you know, there's, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying this prophetically that, you know, you're going to leave here, but right. it's a sense that this is the way the pattern has been. Yes. Um, what do you think the Lord is doing, you know, in your life now? Um, you know, we're all getting older. Yes. <laughs> Things are changing around society. What do you think God is going is doing in your particular life? Um, 
you know, you're here now. You've been here at Identity Church for how long now? Um, since last July, so eleven so, months. So it's been eleven months, almost yeah. a year now. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as I'm always working, so I don't really pay right. attention to. It. You know, people just come in and they just, you know, I, you know, I couldn't even tell you exactly when you started doing your singing right. in the band. Right. Know, uh, but so, what do you just kind of think? What do you really? God has kind of put a little spark somewhere. I mean, what's He doing a little bit in your head? Um, you know, what's what I mean, even in in the, in the church body here, just because you're blooming where you're planted, and you're right absolutely. now planted here. What's He doing in your life absolutely. here at Identity? Um, that could affect the ch- this church, but all the other churches in other parts of the, of the world. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think I definitely have a heart for the global body of Christ and um, b- how that plays out here, being on the worship team, like just really playing with, praying with Stephanie and Anthony and, you know, Pastor Mike and the others, Tristan, before we go up there, like really what is the heartbeat of the Lord, you know, and being able to express that here. And then, like I said, when I go back home, like I have my keyboard set up in my living room and I just really feel like the Lord is like, I want this to be my sanctuary. And in that, knowing that he can take me anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. and I can pray for anything through the power of the spirit. And I just really, I really feel like he's expanding me in that to just completely take off all all boundaries and to know again that it doesn't necessarily matter where my feet are planted. It matters to be in the spirit and to, you know, because like I said, I'm, you know, just praying with these different watches. Like I'm praying with this girl from Afghanistan who is like completely, you know, she's putting herself in, in danger. She's this covered woman. Um, and, and she's underground, you know, in, in Afghanistan and with COVID it's huge in the Middle East too, which is crazy. It's different. Like there's, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like there's more cases there, but of course some of that's media and stuff too. So, um, but anyway, just, just to know, like prayer is, is not just here, like in the spirit, it can be anywhere. Right. And I think that the Lord just continues to expand me in that. So I'm absolutely willing and ready to go wherever he asks me to go. I feel like he's just expanding worship in me mm-hmm. and intercession in me and just really, um, really at this moment, like really praying for America and for the bride of Christ to rise up because that's what really needs to happen here. Right. So I feel like he almost has kind of shifted me a little bit in terms of uh, you know, the Middle East to like, okay, we really need to focus on America and the bride of Christ here because right. we, we need to get some fat and not be so anemic, <laughs> you know? So yeah. also we need to stop drinking milk and get some meat. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be a, really, really good. That's cool. You yeah. awesome, interesting life. Uh, well, you've been all over the place. Yes. Uh, I'm very, very grateful. <laughs> I've been up and down the East coast and, you know, but that's pretty much about it. And I think far as, Arizona once and Texas once, but other than that, I'm just an East Coast boy. Yeah, yeah. So, let's close. Let's. I'll give you a second. And I usually I'll think about okay a theme or something like that. But I'm going to do this. Is I'm going to pull from your background of different things. We'll sure. just take a second of silence. And, you know, I can edit this. Is I want you to think and I want you to see what God really wants you because you're so diverse on your prayer, you know, and your and stuff. So let's just take a second. I'll pause whenever you're ready, whatever the Lord puts in your brain. could be a country. It could be America. It could be anything. Okay. So, God, I just, uh, I ask for the global 
bride of Christ right now, Lord Jesus. Um, God, that you have so much in your heart for the bride of Christ, and your desire is that we would be equally yoked to you. God, that we would be so passionate to be willing to lay down our lives for you corporately, all of us together, not just one or two here. Um, so God, I ask for that. Whether we ever have to give up our lives, that we would be willing, Lord, across the board, and that we would put down our differences and really be able to see the spirit in one another and love one another and become one, that, that prayer that you prayed so long ago, that we would be one as you and the Father and the Spirit are one. That is my heart's cry for the Bride of Christ globally, that we would come to that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. You've been listening to The Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I've been sitting down with Heidi. Heidi, thank you very much for joining us in the studio time. Thank you. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in today to The Millennium Beat podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests in dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KendallFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. A common factor in any war is an economic battle strategy. Here's how it works. If opponent A can weaken the economy of opponent B, then opponent A will have a tremendous advantage and opponent B will be at their mercy. Our adversary, the devil, knows this economic battle strategy all too well. Now, he may not be able to convince us to join his side, but if he can lure us into financial debt, it will create daily stress, fighting between husbands and wives, difficulties between parents and their children, a routine of working two and three jobs, and living from paycheck to paycheck. Then when the opportunity arises to help someone else in need, it's totally out of the question because you barely have what you need for yourself. The end result is children with no money for college, churches suffering from low support, and parents who barely know their children because they're working night and day. And the list goes on and on. What an effective economic battle strategy to tear families apart. We are barraged with temptations to spend our money every day. Advertisements confront us at every turn. 
you can't read the newspaper or watch television without being blitzed by at least a dozen ads. But advertising is not the culprit here. There's nothing wrong with companies advertising their products and services. That's actually how most media is financed. The culprit here is you. You are the one who made the decision to live above your means. You may be thinking, I never made such a decision. Well, you did when you neglected to develop your own economic battle strategy. God's Word warns us about our adversary in 1 Peter 5.8 saying, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If this roaring lion is eating up your finances a paycheck at a time, draw a line in the sand today and say no more. Then sit down with your spouse and begin to develop your own economic battle strategy. Don't let the enemy weaken your family by controlling your finances another day. Pray and ask God for help and wisdom. He'll make you a great general in the war on finances. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall. For more Family Matters and a free copy of our budget guide, log on to ZionTabernacle.com.